We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. What's up, Andrew? It's good to be back for another Friday edition of the show. Yeah, it is great to be back. Super weird to not have a game to talk about. You know, it feels like about three and a half months ago that the Packers wrapped up the one seed and, and just realizing that it was, you know, five days ago that it's it's a weird feeling. But um, such a great place to be in going into wildcard weekend, which is going to be incredibly exciting to watch. And we don't have the stress of having to watch the Packers play. So um, I, I actually, weirdly enough, spent a little bit of time doing some draft analysis this week. And <laughs> it was a bit of a harsh reality that we are actually close to the end of the season and, and, and the off season, which I know we love. But like, did the season just for. start? Yeah, yeah. Did the season just start? I know. It just feels like just yesterday we were worried about, are we going to have a season? If we have a season, how's it going to work out? Are we going to make it to the end of the season? And here we are. And we are so happy to not have Packers football to watch this week. And the Packers are the number one seed. They're enjoying that bye week and will have home field advantage throughout these playoffs. Green Bay is now three wins away from being Super Bowl champions. And I think we're all feeling pretty good right now. 
now about the situation we find ourselves in. The table is certainly set for this team to go on a run here. But uh, exciting times, great time to be a Packer fan. Uh, We have some news that we want to start the show with today. And it was reported today that Coach Nathaniel Hackett, uh, the Packers offensive coordinator, interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons head coaching vacancy. We kind of wondered, you know, the Packers have had a lot of success this season, and especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, We wondered if this would come. We hadn't heard a lot of rumblings leading up till now, leading some to be like, uh, where is the love for Nathaniel Hackett and what this team has done? And today we got the news that it seems that the Falcons are at least interested here. Yeah, that's really interesting news. One of the things that I've always wondered when it came to you know, Hackett potentially becoming a head coach is what is sort of the the play or, or what is the percentage of the offense that he controls versus Matt LaFleur? Is it a 50-50 ordeal? You know, does LaFleur have more control than we really think he does? Certainly he doesn't have the play calling experience in Green Bay. And so you, you, you do wonder about that that experience. Um, you know, good, certainly good luck to Coach yeah. Hackett. I, I don't know about that Atlanta Falcons opening. That, that to me is a little bit dicey because they are in kind of a weird salary cap situation. And, yeah. and you don't know what's going to happen with Matt Ryan. But, um, you know, certainly if, if you get an assistant coach in the NFL that has an opportunity to get a head coaching gig, you, you root for him um, selfishly for the Packers. Um, I hope he sticks around. I think probably at the end of the season, you also have to worry that maybe he's going to get a, a, a gig as an offensive coordinator where he gets to call the plays too. Yeah. Um, but certainly he seems like somebody that has a really good relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Super important, of course. And, you know, works really well with Matt LaFleur. So it'd be great to have him stick around. But as uh, as it always is with the NFL, when you have success, other teams come a calling for uh, some of your borderline players, uh, you know, some of the lower end starters, some of your backups and also a lot of your coaching staff. Yeah, it's great for Nathaniel Hackett. And it's, I mean, he said that he feels like he's ready for that job. And, um, you know, we wish him all the best. I mean, obviously, this is his career and those kinds of things. Aaron Rodgers has spoken so highly of Hackett and what he's done for this offense. So, uh, and the Falcons do have a lot of playmakers. I mean, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. I mean, it'd be a lot of fun to work with those players. But you said it's not a perfect situation. uh, But you don't always get to be picky about what team you go to in the NFL either. So, uh, all the luck in the world to Nathaniel Hackett. He's also said he's really excited about where the Packers are right now, and he's focused on this Super Bowl run. Uh, We also want to talk a little bit about some news that broke this afternoon, and that is that there will be fans in these stands at Lambeau Field. Uh, It's being reported that Lambeau will welcome 6,000 fans, uh, season ticket holders first, plus frontline workers to the divisional game next weekend. It's looking like there will be in the ballpark of around 8,000 fans in attendance for this playoff game obviously not going to be a packed house uh, but fun to see that there will be fans in the stands yeah and obviously this is good news for the team you know generating a little bit of crowd noise 8,000 fans in in Lambeau um, isn't going to quite make the dent that uh, you know packed seats would but I, I think it's something it's it's energy for the players to to you know play off of I I think you know in addition hopefully 
with offenses used to being able to like whisper to each other uh, across the field um, that, that, you know, gives them a little bit of a, a jarring atmosphere. Um, I doubt it makes that big of an impact, but it's good to, good to see or hear. Um, what I'm really concerned about, Kyle, as somebody who would be really interested in being part of those 6,000 fans is what the secondary market is going to look like. Yeah. <laughs> because I have a feeling, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, maybe the Packers will do something where they're, um, you know, encouraging the season ticket holders who who said that they did want to opt in um, to actually keep their tickets. I'm not exactly sure how that will work. But if, if they are for resale, they're going to go for astronomical numbers. <laughs> Absolutely. Those will be some expensive tickets. A really cool environment. I mean, Fans have been waiting a long time uh, to be in sports venues in general and Lambeau Field in particular. So, so good to see that there will be fans there. And I think the the players will appreciate uh, the energy from the fans, even if it doesn't completely affect like it would uh, in a normal game. But uh, yeah, good news there as far as fans being in the stands. Yeah. And so on Fridays, we normally take a look at key matchups and X factors. And that's a little bit of a difficult thing to do without a actual opponent. But um, without a game, we don't have those matchups preview. But we wanted to take a really high level view of what each matchup could look like, depending on who ends up winning this upcoming weekend. So with seven playoff teams, there are some really weird things that could happen. If the Rams or Bears win, Tampa is automatically on the other side of the bracket. And there's some really bizarre things that could happen if there are multiple, you know, quote unquote upsets. I think the Rams are a really bad matchup for the Seahawks. Now, that's assuming Jerry Goff plays. But the Bears defense could give the Saints some trouble. um, And Washington's pass rush could cause problems for the Buccaneers. So, um, you know, it's the NFL. Anything can happen. Um, So we're just going to take a look at what what uh, teams the Packers could potentially be facing uh, when we move into the divisional round. Yeah, and what's really, really fun for Andrew and I, and we hope for you as listeners as well, is that we get to do Monday's show here in just a couple days. So by that time, we will know who our divisional opponent will be, and we'll spend some more time digging into that matchup. But for today, let's go ahead and get into this bird's eye view of the Packers' potential matchups. And let's start um, by looking at Tampa Bay, because the Bucks are the five seed, and I'm personally starting uh, with the Buccaneers because I personally think that they're the Packers most likely matchup in the divisional round Uh, but they're also the team I'd like to play the least which isn't my favorite combination but obviously we saw the Packers lose to this team earlier in the season and the Tampa Bay defense was really able to shut down the Packers offense something that not a lot of teams were able to do this season obviously and then of course you add in Tom Brady who's generally okay at playing playoff football and very familiar with cold weather environments. And I would just rather play someone other than Tampa Bay in this first round. But I will say that Green Bay is much more complete on offense and much, much better on defense than they were than these when these two teams met earlier in the season. But of all the teams that the Packers could face, I do think that the Bucks are the biggest threat that they could face next weekend. So this is going to sound a little weird, but I'm not really scared of the Packers playing the Buccaneers again. I I prefer not to because I think they pose the worst matchup for the Packers. But in all reality, the Seahawks were the worst matchup for the divisional round the Packers could have faced last year, and Green Bay took care of them. 
So I do think the weather and the grass slow down Levante David and Devin White, and I have to think Matt LaFleur is going to have something cooked up for those blitz pickups. Aaron Rodgers, of late, has been so good and hitting his checkdowns in the last month. So what really gave them fits in that game against Tampa, I, I think, is something that the Packers have really resolved as the season's gone on. And people love talking about how good Tom Brady has been in cold weather. Well, guess what? Brett Favre was pretty darn good in the cold, too, until he wasn't. And I remember him being pretty awful in a cold weather NFC championship game at Lambeau. Uh, in fact, his last game as a Packer and Favre didn't spend that season practicing and playing in warm weather like Tom Brady has. Yeah. So, you know, if you look back over the last two seasons, Tom Brady played in four games below freezing for the Patriots. He averaged 68 percent on completions. That's good. That's really good. 282 yards per game. That's pretty good. One touchdown per game. Not so great. And 0.75 interceptions, both pretty bad. So I, I'd say that was below Tom, below average Tom Brady for the Patriots in 18 and 19. And here's the kicker. The average temperature in those games was 26 degrees, which really isn't that cold. And potentially we're looking at cold fronts pushing into Green Bay by that point. So, you know, I, I'm not really that scared of the Buccaneers. I would, however, take other matchups first. One other thing, I hate giving credit to my brother, um, but <laughs> he did point out when when I had tweeted something about Tom Brady, you know, not being that great in cold weather over the last couple seasons. Tom Brady, in his career, really doesn't have a lot of experience in playing playoff games before the divisional round, That's like true, i.e. Yeah. wildcard games or road playoff games, period, because yeah. the Patriots were almost always they almost always had yeah. to buy. They almost were always had home field out, advantage throughout. Well, I mean, when you play the Jets, Bills and Dolphins six times a year at that point, um, it's it's pretty easy to get there. But um, so this is this is sort of new territory. And the Buccaneers have been a roller coaster ride this yeah. year. Um, so, it, you know, I don't know that that's a guarantee. I don't know that it's a guarantee that they beat Washington. I don't know that, you know, they're they're necessarily um, the, the same team the Packers faced earlier in the year. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. And I'm glad you brought that up, that just because you've done something before, you've played in the cold, doesn't actually mean that you've become good at it and consistent at doing that. So um, I do think getting a warm weather team like Tampa into Lambeau is obviously going to cause them a fair amount of shock in that environment for that team as a whole. So on the whole, I do think you feel pretty good about a Tampa Bay team traveling to Green Bay. But uh, let's go ahead and move on to the Los Angeles Rams, who do hold uh, the sixth seed in this tournament. Yeah, so the Rams are really interesting. Yeah, of course, you start off Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, um, even guys like Michael Brockers, Josh Johnson. They are all players who can really, really impact the game. So this is going to be a tough one to move the ball. And Ramsey on Devontae marks the best opportunity for any cornerback in the league to actually stop Adams. But how are the Rams going to score in Lambeau? Let's assume Jared Goff is healthy. He's still beat up. He has played very, very few games in the cold in his career and really unsuccessfully at that. Robert Woods is a super turf-reliant player. The running game is full of guys that are just okay. And, like, yeah, you're probably going to get a little bit of something out of Cooper Cup, but definitely give me the matchup of that Rams offensive line trying to block the Packers' pass rush every single snap. 
Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Yeah, the Rams' defense is the scary part in this matchup. Aaron Donald is such a good player, obviously one of the best in the league, uh, and is even as good as the Packers' offensive line is playing. He's a player who's going to impact any game that he's a part of. And then the other thing is Sean McVay is an interesting factor because you'd think that he may be able to help his defense anticipate some of what LaFleur likes to do since they share some offensive philosophies. Uh, But I think a lot of this game is going to depend on that Jared Goff injury. Um, Just imagine for a second if the Seahawks can't get the Rams running game off the field and they were to lose to a John Walford-led team. It would be so, so crazy. Uh, But you'd like to think that the Packers ascending secondary, if they can get this matchup, an ascending secondary combined with the pressure that they've been generating would be a pretty tough combo for either a less than 100% version of Jared Goff if he does play, or especially someone like John Wolford. So I think that the defense scares you a little bit because they've been such a good unit. But, I mean, there's a lot to like about this matchup with the Rams. Yeah, and I'm not sure that there's an area on the team that you could say the Rams are better than the Packers in. Aaron Donald is the best defensive player between the two teams, but I would say the Packers front is better than the Rams overall. You can argue between Jalen Ramsey and Jair Alexander all day, but the fact of the matter is the Packers have a better secondary than the Rams do. Um, And across offense, of of course, the Packers are are superior at every level. So um, that that would be a matchup for me that I'd be very comfortable with a a warm weather team coming in the Lambeau um, that really, from a talent standpoint, shouldn't match up with the Packers very well. Um, But of course, they'd be coming off of a win against the Seahawks. So uh, (laughs) that's that's the weird thing about these hypotheticals is, you know, they they certainly would have a lot of momentum on their side. Uh, The next team up is the Chicago Bears. And. Uh, to me, this could be the Titans game on steroids, depending on the the climate um, of Lambeau Field at that point. The the Packers could just potentially stack the box, tell Trubisky to try to beat them. And, you know, I get that any team can be dangerous in the playoffs, but I'll take my chances on the Bears trying not to get blown out for the third time this season. (laughs) 
yeah, and don't get me wrong. I don't mean to laugh, but we did just come off of this Bears victory, you know, and the Bears don't scare me. I'd happily play the Bears again, but divisional opponents and divisional games are always just a little bit more dicey just because the teams know each other so well. And so, uh, but I'm with Andrew here. I would happily take Trubisky and Lambeau uh, in the cold, but it's hard to see them getting out of Louisiana with a win this weekend. But crazier things have happened in the playoffs. Um, I, I, you want to? No, no, nothing would bring my heart greater happiness than to destroy the Bears for the third time this season, <laughs> break their hearts, and then um, watch them all get their hearts broken this offseason when the Texans don't trade Deshaun Watson to them for nothing, <laughs> like their fans seem to think is going to happen. Oh also, shout out Vikings Twitter for, for thinking that Kirk Cousins is worth something in a this trade. This is fun, right? Like, all day, it's like... It's like relevant information, me scrolling past political posts that I don't need to see or whatever. And then it's the sprinkling in of hypothetically, could we trade a bag of chips and Khalil Mack (laughs) for a franchise chasing quarterback? Like it's just it's bizarre. And it's unfortunate because, of course, the Bears know that they could have had Deshaun Watson for the pick that they had, you know, like it's, it's, and, it's and, frustrating. And let's, I get let's it. be honest right now. If Deshaun Watson gets drafted by, drafted by the Bears, he's better than Mitch Trubisky, but not by that much. I don't think, I don't think that franchise is prepared to develop a quarterback. Um, they, they, they have not made the right offensive hires in, in my lifetime uh, to develop a quarterback the way that they need to. And um, if we could just put the Deshaun Watson trade rumors to, to rest, that, that would really help me out from a, a <laughs> bewilderment standpoint when I'm scrolling through right, Twitter. Right, right. Yes, it would uh, take some take some uh, anxiety out of the NFL world, which is Ken Engels just tweeted uh, that Deshaun Watson is not getting traded. So the capologist has spoken, Packers Nation. Deshaun Watson <laughs> will not be a Chicago Bear. We can put that to rest. But uh, let's talk about this uh, Washington football team, right? A, play, a team without a proper name has entered the NFL playoff scenario here. They now hold the fourth seed in the NFC by virtue of winning the NFC East. Washington is, I would say, the team that I would like to play. And when a team gets into the playoffs at 7-9, and nine, they are naturally not expected to go very far. But even beyond them being kind of a mediocre team right now, I would say, I think Green Bay matches up really well with this team. Obviously, Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick are going to give teams fits, but Green Bay has proven to be much, much better against the run at the end of the season. And I love the potential for Jair Alexander to get a matchup with Terry McLaurin and potentially really force this football team's creativity on offense uh, to take away Scary Terry and then figure out what in the world else are you going to do if Jair is able to have that big of an impact. So love this potential matchup for the Packers. Obviously, I think a lot of teams would love to play uh, the football team in the playoffs, but um, a little bit of extra drama too with you having Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith again in the playoffs. So it could be a little bit of fun if the Washington football team were to upset the Tampa Bay Bucks, but we'll see if that happens. So you and I have been doing this podcast for about two and a half years, a little bit over that at this point. And um, the entirety of, of our uh, run as as co-hosts, I've referred to Washington as the Washington footballers. 
Um, and then, of course, you know, this year they became the football team. Um, so I'm putting a little respect on that. And right, right, same right. football team. Yeah. It just, just came to mind that this might be one of the last times I get to refer to them as the football team. Because they may actually have a proper, appropriate nickname um, by the, the start of the next season. You've seen the report, though, Andrew, that, like, they are weighing heavily going with the football team or something very close to it. As I didn't see that. Yes, this is something that's, that's actually been said. I know. It's, it's uh, you know, they took this long pause to make sure that they got it right. They didn't want to rush into a name, right? And then they're like, holy crap, we've made the playoffs. We will not change our name. Like, I don't know, it's just a yeah. funny, you know, it's where we're at. It's really interesting. And, you know, to me, like, you know, if, if you follow European soccer clubs, you know, it's like it, that a lot of them are called FC, right? Football club um, or, or United or, or those sorts of things. They don't necessarily I mean, they have nicknames, but they're not officially yeah, tied yeah. to the team. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a very European way of thinking yeah. for Dan Snyder. Yeah, that's interesting. He's he's one of the worst owners in professional sports, so he he, he may you as know, well have a disaster of a nickname too. Giving him a lot of credit by saying it's a European creativity thing, and I would just—it's <laughs> more of like a—I don't think there's a lot of creativity behind that. But you know, like, hey, they made the playoffs, so more so, power to them. So here's something interesting. I think we disagree on this one a little bit. Okay, I'm actually right. a little more tepid about this matchup, and oh. you know, it's not that they're seven and nine, but. Sure. The, the Washington football team's pass rush could give the Packers big problems. And, and you know, when, when I look at an opposing team, it's more about what they can do than what they can't. And um, like I talked about the Rams, I think the Packers have an advantage in every single matchup. I don't think the Packers have an advantage. Um, definitely not on the front four. But then even when you look at matchups, when you look at, the, at Washington's pass rush versus the Packers' offensive line, I think that's actually a really bad matchup for Green Bay. Um, and especially, you know, more so without David Bakhtiari. So I don't know that Washington can move the ball like even a little bit. So I, I'd like the Packers in this one. Certainly they'd be heavily favored, but I think there could be some difficulty getting the running game going. Uh, some possible forced fumbles on strip sacks and other things that can make games closer than they should be when you play against elite pass rushing talent. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that it would necessarily be a cakewalk for Green Bay. I think, I think they'd have to do some things really well to keep those pass rushers away from number twelve. Yeah. Okay. All right. I can see that, and I'm curious. So, do you think that we we disagree a little bit here about Washington? Um, do you have any other like big discrepancies here in the ways that we talked about these teams that you'd r- rather face a different team? Not really. I, I think you know, in in ranking the difficulty of the opponent, I think you'd go Buccaneers, Rams. I would go Bears and Washington as a, a tie. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. At three. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I think I think if the Bears weren't a, div- a divisional opponent, I would maybe feel like I'd flip those. But just because of the divisional famili- familiarity, I think that that adds a little bit of a just a little bit of a wild card into the mix. But I think I think the Packers are in good shape here. I think obviously the playoffs are the playoffs. You've got to show up. You've got to play your best football. But I think the Packers are in a place where we haven't always been able to say this going into a playoff game where you feel good about matchups. I think the Packers, if they take care of their business, I think that they're in some pretty good, pretty good situations with these teams that they'll be facing next weekend. Definitely. You know what's interesting though? If if Washington were to win, 
that that would be very exciting. I, I, I like right now in my head, I don't remember the order that the games go in this weekend. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, if Washington were to win, that would be a really exciting upset for for Packers fans. But then if the Rams were to win, right, against right, the Seahawks, then suddenly the Packers are playing the Rams, and then the this this you know if if it's the Saints for instance if the Saints beat the Bears they get the cushy matchup with the yeah. Washington football yeah. team so that you know there's a lot of interesting things that can happen now that this is sort of like on on the axis of three different matchups in, instead of just two. The Washington football team plays late Saturday night. They are the third game, second NFC game, but they do play Saturday, so you could be celebrating that Washington upset. But then you do have to wait for the Bears and Saints game uh, then on Sunday afternoon at 440. So, yep, we'll be watching football all weekend, which is something I think most of us can probably deal with. I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk a little bit about, I know we're getting into the, the postseason here. We're ready to play. You know, this is about the 2020 season. We don't want to look too far ahead. Uh, but you and I are off season. You know, we're, we're nuts here. So do you want to talk a little bit about maybe how this postseason could impact the price tag on some of these players who are impending free agents? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, because that's, that's on our that's on that's on the show schedule, and I really was hoping you would talk about that. <laughs> that. That's great. Yeah. So I I think what you're referring to is sort of you know what we would consider the headliners. Obviously, Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, those contracts are are taken care of. Um, but then you know you you get into sort of that next tier of free agents: Kevin King, Aaron Jones, Corey Lindsley. Um, I you know. I would assume you're going to talk a little bit about people that can potentially be released to clear up cap space, but the Packers have finite resources right now. Um, I think they're actually probably going to be scrambling a little bit and have to move some, some money around just to, um, you know, basically have room for their draft picks. And um, if, if, if you don't follow Ken Ingalls on Twitter, change that, go find him. Um, Because, you know, he has some really interesting stuff about how some, some of the weeks, 17 performances boosted cap numbers for some players, including Aaron Rodgers, which is a pretty significant, I, I think it was a million dollars or more um, in, in what his cap figure is going to look like next year. And so those things are really, really important when, when you start talking about like who you can resign and then look into the future and, and how that's going to impact mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I totally agree. This is going to be a really, really interesting season for the Packers as far as what they do. Obviously, if they win the Super Bowl, all is forgotten, all is forgiven, because this will be a different roster in 2021. If they fall short and then they have to gut this roster to get under the salary cap, even if some of these players that they're moving on from aren't the top tier impact players i think fans will be a little bit more upset by that but uh, i think we're hoping that there's a ring at the end of the season that kind of makes some of these departures a little bit easier uh but lots of big names obviously you mentioned kevin king aaron jones lindsley these are all players preston smith is you know that that candidate for a release that that could be really hard to see go uh but obviously we know we're dealing with a salary cap and we're dealing with a covid salary cap year where we don't know exactly where all those numbers are going to fall but uh will be a really interesting situation we find ourselves in 
Yeah, so I, I would imagine if the NFL comes back, and we won't know, usually until like mid-March what, what the actual salary cap number is, but if the NFL comes back and it's it's that low number, that one, $175 million yeah. that people are anticipating, the Packers are going to have to move some stuff around. And so um, I do think, you know, Christian Kirksey, I think Dean Lowry are probably more on the almost assuredly cut list. Mm-hmm. I think Preston Smith is is very much on that precipice. I would be surprised if Rick Wagner and Billy Turner got cut. Um, maybe one or the other if the Packers right. are going to plan on in, in investing some draft capital in offensive line, but especially with David Bakhtiari, that, that injury, and you don't know exactly how he's going to come back, I think it's important to keep that offensive line as intact as possible. And I think this could be a very Baltimore Ravens offseason. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, the Ravens, you know you know this, Kyle, they're, they're very famous for letting guys walk even really good types of free agents. Zedaria Smith's a great example. Yep. Um, and then just replacing them internally. And I think the Packers are going to hope that they can do that. Um, you know, it, if if one of these players shines really brightly, um, you know, in the playoffs when when all the focus is on them and they they will earn themselves more money. The, the NFL loves doing this. Um, I forget the name of the cornerback for the Cowboys. I want to say Larry Brown. Um, that was the Super Bowl MVP, and then the Raiders gave him an astronomical sure. amount of money. They did the same thing to Desmond Howard, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> the Packers won the Super Bowl. The Raiders were just in love with Super Bowl MVPs. But, um, you know, those kind of things, they, they do. They make an impact on what mm-hmm. GMs yeah. decide to do. And, um, I you know, I think all three of those guys actually – are destined for big paydays regardless. So this could just push them further out of the Packers price range. But, you know, if I was ranking them by priority for re-signing, I would say, you know, number one, Corey Lindsley, number two, Aaron Jones, number three, Kevin King. And and really, this is a flip from earlier in the season when I said I had King rated higher because I just don't think there's any chance he re-signs in Green Bay. The, the price tag for cornerbacks is astronomical. And so if they were to do a deal, I don't think it would benefit the team. Um, I, I like Kevin King a lot, um, way more than most people, probably way more than most people listening. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's a really good number two, in my opinion. But I, he, he's going to command a huge amount of money. And so I, I think you just sort of move on from that. And here's something people are really not going to want to hear. I would advocate the Packers let all three players go. And not wow. because I want to. I think Corey Lindsley is so crucial to this team. But, you know, it's... It's all right. So <laughs> here, here, here's where I really uh, hurt my my own label here. But I think replacing Aaron Jones is harder than even I care to admit. Oh my goodness, you are totally just ruining your brand yeah. right now. Even I'm though sorry. I'm Mister Don't Pay Running Backs, and I think the offensive line actually takes a step back without Lindsley. But the Packers have to think about new contracts for Devonte Adams and Jair Alexander. And they absolutely cannot let either of those guys go. So as much as a cap wizard as Russ Ball is, I don't see a path to get all five of those players. And Devontae and Jair are top players in the league at crucial positions. So they have to be the priority. If there's money that they can find somehow, some way, give it to Corey Lindsley. But I'm, I'm thinking you let them walk. Center, running back, not necessarily the most important positions in football. Mm-hmm. And so I think you have to hope that you can replace those guys internally with a Lucas Patrick 
with uh, AJ Dillon with mm-hmm. you know drafting a running back. Yeah, and I mean the age. I think uh, Lindsley's twenty nine, right? And I mean it's it's it, that's not a bad age to be. But at the end of the contract he's going to sign, he's going to be at an age that you may not expect. The Packers. We know that there's a, um, the history of Packers paying older offensive line, especially interior offensive line, is not uh, one that maybe Lindsley would be encouraged by. Um, but my goodness, I think you're right. It's probably a situation where, especially if we're looking at a lower cap number, um, it's probably going to be those guys out the door. And it's going to be really hard, especially for an Aaron Jones situation where he's loved by fans and he's done so much for this organization. And I think we'll be rooting for him no matter where he plays because he's that kind of a player, that kind of a person. But I think that's what fans should expect. I think we should prepare ourselves for that. I, I was actually, I messaged Ken Engels um, because I was curious about something. And Preston Smith is a really big name for me this offseason because I think we've seen the ascension of Rashawn Gary. Obviously, Gary is a goody pick, so he's going to have a lot of stock in getting uh, Rashawn Gary on the field as much as possible. Uh, but Preston Smith has a really big cap number next year, and it would not, you know, it would free up a ton of space to release him. But I asked Ken, like I said, what are, what are your thoughts on if he plays really well throughout the postseason? Could the Packers turn him in a trade to a team with a lot of cap space for like a day three pick rather than releasing him or something along those lines? And we kind of went back and forth and didn't say that that's a, a definite possibility. But he he's a very good player that in normal circumstances you would never expect a team to release. Uh, but when the Packers have an embarrassment of riches at that edge rusher position, he does seem like someone who could be a casualty of situation. And so uh, we just thought it was an interesting situation and one that I think will be something to keep an eye on throughout the off season. Yeah. So anything else that you wanted to cover today? No, I think that that will do it for today. Uh, we're really excited, obviously, to come back uh, around to Monday and know who the Packers will be playing in this divisional round. It's going to be a lot of fun. So enjoy playoff football over the weekend, and we can't wait to wait to talk to you guys on Monday. Yeah, and I'm really glad you said that because it jogged my memory. We're, we're going to get a chance after we preview these matchups to really take a look on Monday at what actually happened and then who, who the Packers' next opponent is going to be. So that's going to be fun. I know there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world right now, but uh, you know the Packers are a wonderful distraction to have. I think I think the NFL is a good way to, to get away from some of that. And we're, we're just happy that you know you, you – take the time to listen to us and and you know hopefully we we bring a little bit of distraction to your day um but that is all the time that we have for this friday this has been the packet podcast you can find kyle on twitter at packer underscore pundit and you can find me at andrew mertig remember to also follow at packet podcast if you like what we're doing, please give us a subscribe, uh, rate us if, if you like it. Um, you can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday, except next week. Uh, we're going to be back on Monday this week, and Andy and Ben Fennel will be taking our place next Friday. So thanks for listening, and as always, remember...
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.